If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Did we issue a spoiler warning at the start of this? Oh, shit. Perhaps we should have issued a spoiler warning. Let me just say, watch out. This podcast will have spoilers for The Last of Us in it. And then you can cut that out and move it to the front. <laughs> do, I, do I detect that uh, this, this was a slightly tortuous for us both? This, this was... Uh, I do not like The Last of Us whatsoever. I know you don't. <laughs> why, don't you, um, why don't you tell us a bit about why you don't like The Last of Us? I, I remember playing it back in the day, back when it first came out. I, I probably got a good two hours into the game, and then I turned it off, got rid of my disc, completely forgot about it because I hated it so much. But recently, with The Last of Us 2 coming out, I decided, hey, I'm going to play it. I'm older now. I, I'm more uh, understanding, less impulsive than I once was. I'm going to play through the whole thing, and I am going to try my hardest to enjoy every second. See, you shouldn't have to try to enjoy something in my book. Aha! That's problem number one. (laughs) Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. My review of the game was uh, very lukewarm. And at the time, it was uh, quite a big hit. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talked about it. So I think we might be in... The two of us might be in a minority here. You do have a tendency to go against the grain with the AAA story-based stuff, don't you? I, you know, I do, and I think, I think The Last of Us is a perfect example of why I go against the grain with AAA story stuff. The the story and the gameplay just have nothing to do with one another. Quite. I mean, this was my point about all the murdering you do when <laughs> held against the uh, the moral arc of the main character. Because this has always been the problem with Naughty Dog's games. Well, I say Naughty Dog's games. It's been a problem with the Uncharted series mm-hmm. and and with The Last of Us. Right. The Uncharted series is about this happy-go-lucky, Joss Whedon-style, quippy adventurer type who spends every waking moment trying to steal stuff he's not entitled to and murdering the people trying to stop him. <laughs> right, right. And in those games, they were going for a, a sort of like hard-edged, Indiana Jonesy adventure mm-hmm. sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of acceptable but then they're trying to transition here into something a little uh more dramatic a little more uh, what's the word literary they are attempting with every breath with every pen stroke to be deep and meaningful and they cannot be deep to save their lives yeah that's that's that that's it they're trying to be deep but they still have to interweave it with standard gameplay and the only thing they can think of to do is standard combat which mm-hmm. means a constant slew of murder. A constant slew of murder, not just not just zombies and clickers, but eventually, you know, the bad humans that you have to fight. Yeah. I always think the problem with the world of The Last of Us and Uncharted, but more so in The Last of Us, is that it feels like life is very, very cheap in this world. Mm. Not only do people murder each other at a drop of the hat, despite it being the post-apocalypse and there not being that many people around, people are always <laughs> very quick to put themselves in, da- in deadly danger with no real concern. They're also alarmingly quick to off themselves as well. There's one particular moment that sticks out in my memory where a character makes an impulsive decision, then goes, oh shit, and then immediately shoots themselves in the head. 
Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's what, yeah. That's right. Well, and again, it's just that forced drama, you know, like we, we meet these new characters, uh, a guy and his younger brother, very similar dynamic to Joel and Ellie, but the, the younger brother gets bitten and turns and since we're in spoilers, might as well talk about the ending. Oh, fuck Joel so much. (laughs) Yeah. So at the ending, it turns out, I mean, you just played it and I haven't played it in years, so correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. if I'm misremembering. But it turns out that Ellie has a condition that makes her immune to the zombie virus mm-hmm. somehow, even though it's like a spore, it's not a virus. Right, there's something in her biology. And, and we knew that from the beginning of the game. She is immune to being turned into a zombie. Uh, and yeah. that's the whole mission. The whole mission is to take her to the people so they can figure out why she's immune. Right. It's children of men, isn't it? It's children of men. 100 fucking percent children of men, yes. And then at the end, Joel um, takes her to the place where she was to be delivered and finds mm-hmm. out that in order to extract this cure from Ellie, she has to be killed all dead-like. And right. Joel goes, fuck that, and then smashes up the whole operation and kidnaps her and takes her away and then goes off to live as yummy, hairy dad for the rest of time. Like, literally, Joel withholds the cure for all humanity and, in doing so, murders several individuals who are just looking to cure all of humanity. And, yes, we get that it's supposed to be a morally nuanced character. And we're not supposed (laughs) to take it as a happy ending. But there has to be some kind of human connection. Yes. I mean... Even in something like the original God of War, where Kratos is just a crazy murderer, there's the human connection that we really just want to see what the fuck this crazy guy is going to do next. And Mm -hmm. Joel is just an unlikable sad sack who ends up fucking everyone over. No, and you know what's the most insulting thing about the ending of The Last of Us from a story perspective? Is Ellie, who we have slowly grown to... Uh, learn about and love as a character throughout the entire gameplay has no say in any of this no she spends that entire sequence where joel decides not to save everyone unconscious right like for example here's my here's my a quick little fix for the end there is joel tells ellie that you know in order to save everyone she has to die and what if ellie as kind of you know a child maybe a little selfish Ellie decides that she doesn't want to die. And then Joel has to save Ellie. That could be a very different situation. It's certainly a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, maybe The Last of Us 2 will fill in on what Ellie's feelings were about (laughs) this whole business. Yeah, by the time this goes out, I'll probably have played it and be working on my review as we speak. Sure. I I try not to, like, anticipate or uh, try to predict what's going to happen. I'm going to assume there's going to be a lot of annoying stealth sections. (laughs) And just the, the, okay, so if if we're going to, like, you know, focus off on just the gameplay of The Last of Us, those stealth and combat sections were laughably boring and easy. They were very rote. It's a standard sort of action-adventure package. What do, I get, what does, what do you mean they were very rote? Uh, rote as in uh, standard. Oh, okay. I, I've, I've never heard, I've never heard that term before. You got shoot, you know, like in rote memorization. Uh, no, I've never heard that term before. Oh, R-O-T-E, it is a word, look it up, you small vocabulary man. I, that's why I, I 100% believe you that it's a real word. <laughs> I do the New York Times crossword every day, bitch. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Yeah. 
You got stealth and action takes over when you fuck up the stealth. That's like the standard model for quite a lot of AAA games. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean this you 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 get you get Batman detective vision in your stealth. You know, they just call it like Joel's very good hearing. Yeah, that sort of thing. That's the usual thing they do. The the player doesn't have the instincts of that character, so they create something that simulates those instincts. <laughs> sure, but then you can see where everything is at all times and it it just makes it makes every single stealth section a walk in the park. It's going through the motions, really. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And so, so you know, if you were just to look at it from a gameplay perspective, it's it's very boring. And so, but and and but I feel like people say, well, it's not just the gameplay; it's it's the story that goes along with the gameplay. I think the the operative phrase is going along, like parallel lines never touching. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the stories in these in Naughty Dog's games, like Uncharted and Last of Us, the stories play out like the gameplay isn't happening at all. It's the Grand Theft Auto Four thing, mm-hmm. where the story is entirely unaffected by what you do in the like sandbox gameplay. You can mm-hmm. mess around killing whoever you want, and then you can go back to the story and have a heartfelt cutscene about Nico Bellic being very haunted about his murderous past. <laughs> the gameplay doesn't matter. It's fill in space. It, you know, even to the point of, and this this was something, you know, like talking, talk, just thinking about gameplay and story and immersion and all that bullshit. Um, Ellie as a character uh, cannot be detected by zombies. Uh, yeah, I assume that's an anti-frustration feature. Uh, yeah, oh, sure. Because if you had to worry about what she was, as well as yourself, it would become very annoying. You'd probably very swiftly start to dislike Ellie as a character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be like you ever, probably haven't played this one but there was an indie game called amy it was one of my least favorite games of the year it came out amy. it was an escort game where you had to escort a little girl mm-hmm. who had like psychic powers or something and uh of course if the monsters found the little girl you got fucked over you had mm-hmm. to leave the little girl alone for long periods not being able to save her if the monsters did find her and you were forced to stand next to her because standing next to her was the only way you could maintain immunity from the zombie virus or whatever it was very, very bad game. So that's that's why you do things like uh, the characters just flat out don't notice the support character. Oh, and, and like, I understand that. But, you know, as I, Joel, am sneaking past these zombies who can only hear and can't see, you can watch Ellie, like, her character model, like, bump up next to them and, you know, do goofy little circles bumping up into them. And you just go, Gee, well, well, fuck, nothing matters. Nah. Breaks your immersion, does it? Oh, just a bit. Well, and, and you know, I went through this in, in a truncated version over on the Escapist show with Nick, um, which is my fix for The Last of Us. Okay, this should be good. Which is, um, uh, Joel, you cannot upgrade Joel at all. Right. You can only get better equipment and upgrade Ellie. And Ellie will do things in the combat, either switching characters back and forth. Uh, you know, you can like uh, hot swap between Joel and Ellie to maybe set up some sort of like, uh, you know, Ellie goes to one side of the room and throws a bottle that allows Joel to move forward a little bit. Joel throws a bottle so Ellie can move forward. Those kind of puzzles or a Metal Gear Solid Five quiet situation where you can just kind of like signal Ellie to shoot something, you know. Right. And that way, 
Uh, if you uh, if Ellie starts off at one as a character that can be killed if she's detected and she is a bit of a chore, but you level her up. So we're uh, so you rely on her as a partner. That is gameplay informing the story because you as the player will eventually grow to uh, depend on her. Um, possibly. Theoretically. Oh, of course. Yeah, this is it's all it's all wibbly wobbly. Obviously, like uh, there's a million million factors in that. But my my thought was, how can we bridge this world of the story of Joel opening up to Ellie and the gameplay of Joel shooting zombies and Ellie makes no difference? Well, I think if we're talking about what we do to uh, sort of fix the gameplay and interweave it with the story a bit more. Yeah. First thing I do is not so much killing the humans. Killing okay. zombies, fine. And the humans are all like really sort of cartoonishly villainous as well. Over the, like, you know, I don't know if anyone says like, you know, like I'm going to have a good time with this girl, but I think like rape is pretty well implied. And cannibalism is pretty overtly <laughs> established. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so yeah, the enemies are a bit, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, they try a bit too hard to justify. Yes, why you're killing, killing the of them. Yeah. It goes in with what I was saying about life being very cheap in this world. <laughs> yes, I agree. And uh, people just don't seem to appreciate consequences. Okay, so so f- killing humans, fixing story gameplay. Yeah, so keep the killing of the zombies. And mm. um, I guess what I would do is I'd I'd make the zombie stuff, like take the stealth out of the zombie stuff, make the zombie stuff action-y, where okay. Joel has to use his mighty hairy dad powers to get ellie through the carnage yeah and turn when you're against human enemies uh make that the stealth section and put ellie in charge oh right? okay ellie is the one who has to like um uh use her stealthy abilities to get them past the situation and maybe joel wants to kill them but ellie goes no you, you psycho <laughs> not killing people that's defeating the whole purpose of this whole arc you asshole <laughs> So he put Ellie in charge. Ellie has to like stealth across to open the door to let Joel through or something so that nobody has to die. Sure. And then you could have some really fun sections where if you are swapping between Joel and Ellie, uh, like like they get separated and Joel has to go through a zombie section while Ellie goes through a human section and their little sections play off of each other. Right. So they're both contributing. Mm-hmm. They're both essential parts. I like and they're both it. learning from each other as well. Ooh, I like it, I like it. Reinforcing that whole paternal deal. Yeah. So then like towards the end, then like for the like the, the final act, you spin it around. You twist it around. Suddenly Joel has to use what he's learned about stealth to achieve a goal. <laughs> and Ellie has to use what she's learned about violence to get past some zombies. I love it. There you go, bish bash bosh. You've 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 uh you've come up with yet another avenue to fix The Last of Us. So congratulations. Well, when you talk about fixing to play games, it's all like piss in the wind. Because oh, of course, conversations like what we're having were probably being had by the developers at various stages of design. But the result we got is probably the result of publisher meddling, cuts, running out of time, all kinds of things. So at this point, I always think it's fairly useless to talk about what they should have done. <laughs> oh no, no, we're we are being incredible assholes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone who left the Last of Us are thinking that very thing. Well, well, and but on top of that, also like, yes, just thinking that it's so easy to fix such a large machine because, of course, you know, you would need to have a very high level uh, position in the company. You would need to make these change. You know, these kinds of decisions would need to be made very early on in the production cycle. 
Yeah. Oh, no, no. We're This is all revisionist BS. But, you know, it's just it's a nice thought experiment and it's fun because I don't like it. There's a reason why so many of the really exciting, really uh, adventurous original indie games are made by very small teams, if not individuals, Mm -hmm. because they can take risks. They can (laughs) indulge their crazy ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, Undertale, Papers, Please, Stardew Valley, Minecraft. Return of the Obra Dinn. Return of the Obra Dinn, made by the same guy as Papers, Please, which is why I left it out. (laughs) I just know you love it so much. I do love it very much. It's it's like filling in a crossword, but with death. Well, and you know what we what we see in so many of these uh, you know smaller teams in like the behind the scenes or dev diaries or anything like that is we see the smaller teams find something that doesn't work and they are able to pivot. They're able to change it because it's just a couple of them working in a room. Yeah, the amount of work that goes into something like The Last of Us doing a pivot would be like. Starting a landslide. <laughs> it'd be like, yeah, yeah. It, it'd be, it would be very, very impossible to, to, to pivot later in the game and say, oh, you know what? This is very boring. This is apt because The Last of Us, for me, embodies the problems of AAA games at the time and in the present age. Yes. Because there's the inability to pivot and there's the very committee-driven feel to it. And uh, the massively overplaying and over-marketing of something that is very, very standard gameplay and a not particularly deep story. Well, in in general, I know like committee, you know, gameplay by committee, story by committee, that's something we hear a lot, not only in AAA games, but also in big Hollywood blockbusters. I also think that that is part of the system. You know, like part of the the joy of AAA games and big Hollywood blockbusters is that they are made by so many people. It takes so many people to make these spectacular things. And so there is a, a good side and a bad side to committees, if you will. The things that are made by like whole bunches of people, they can be very good at spectacle. But that's about <laughs> yeah. it. Very good at spectacle, very bad at actual human connections. <laughs> well, I think I think it takes a very strong voice in front. I think the committee needs to choose a strong voice to be most vocal. Uh, mm. Just thinking of some of the the uh, the bigger things that I do generally enjoy. You know, I I know like uh, thinking about like God of War. I think there was a lot of really good moments in that. Um, though overall, I didn't like it. But and even even The Last of Us. And and this is something I want to say. So I'm not just a salty old man who is who's bitter and hates everything i do think that some of these smaller character driven story moments of the last of us were genuinely enjoyable when you think about it these uh games are specifically aimed at people like us because they're hairy dad games and we are both hairy dads well i'm a hairy dad you are a dad i am a dad i'm a dad I don't know if they're aimed at us because we're dads or if they're aimed at us because our generation has uh, universally weak dads. Can I be very cynical? Please. I think the hairy dad genre is a sort of conscious movement into a slightly more, slightly less, um, what's the word, unwoke area as the damsel in distress game. Into the un... Elaborate on that a little bit. Well, the, the the characteristic of the hairy dad game is that you're a hairy dad and you're escorting or out to save your child. Mm-hmm. 
um, and you have to protect them with your dad instincts. <laughs> and that's because that's became a sort of standard plot for a lot of modern AAA story-based games. You see mm. it everywhere. God of War, yeah. Last of Us, even within 2, Bioshock Infinite, uh, the original Silent Hill, when you think about it. But mm. it's mm. still a sort of character cliche. It's just slightly more relatable, perhaps, than the previous standard, which was they've stolen your love interest, go get them because you love them. Well, it's it's only relatable because uh, we as gamers have grown up. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. That's why these this new plot has become popular because the people making games have become dads themselves. Right, they're no longer dating and wanting to find a lady. Yeah. They are now married with kids and want to protect their child. But there's always <laughs> disapproval of the damsel in distress story because of the lack of agency in the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. It's like this character, just this uh, female character, princess, just exists to motivate the hero. Right, and I'd argue that's still the case in the Harry Dad game. I mean, as we said, Ellie at the end of The Last of Us has no agency. Correct. She- they are the dolly with which to live out the dad fantasies rather than the avenging boyfriend fantasy is it difficult living with being so correct all the time that's my question for you ah you get used to it just have to accept (laughs) that no one's going to enjoy playing trivial pursuit with you (laughs) no i think i think i think you've you've nailed it on the head which is which is and and this is a problem with the gameplay and with the writing is it's a Ellie as a character is one note. She is the thing to protect, nothing more, nothing less. Eventually, you give her a gun. (laughs) And then she's a thing to protect who also has a gun. But yeah, she doesn't do anything in the story. Well, in fairness, there's that whole chapter where Joel's like injured. Right. Uh, A very small chapter in which at the end of it, Joel saves Ellie again. Ah, yes. (laughs) <laughs> well as as we said the last of us two is coming out who we're in which ellie is the main character so that's, that's right gonna make that's us all right. look pretty stupid with a massively important and relatable character arc you will no doubt have i'm 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 sure it's you know we saw we saw even more gay kissing in the trailer for last of us two it's going to be a big deal for everyone still in defense of the hairy dad game Okay. It's a fantasy as much as the Saving the Princess is, but it's a, it's a mutual fantasy in that it can be the fantasy of the man wanting to be the responsible dad, and it can also be the fantasy of women finding a man who can be a responsible dad. Uh, it's fantasies for everyone. Yeah. I, I, I think that lies uh, along the same line as, uh, as the, the male fantasy in, uh, in comic books, how, you know, ladies are... Wearing bikinis and men are super ripped and buff, where that is not necessarily the fantasy of the women. Uh, That is a power fantasy of the men placed upon the men. So I don't think that women would necessarily say, ooh, that's the kind of man I want, gruff and distant. (laughs) I think... But, But secretly with a tender heart of a dad. Right. That's, uh, I don't think any uh, human would say that at all. I think that's us as men going, ooh, if only I was that cool and gruff and distant, then I'd be cooler. Back to my job as a programmer. I (laughs) think it's reductive stereotyping of gruff men to imply that they all secretly have tender dad hearts. (laughs) I bet there are plenty of gruff men who hate kids because 
of perfectly sensible reasons and not just because they're frustrated wannabe father figures. <laughs> I think there's plenty of gruff, distant men who are just assholes. Yeah. <laughs> just ask my wife. <laughs> hey If I were to summarize the general theme of Naughty Dogs uh, and Games from Uncharted onwards, the theme is, fuck you, got mine. <laughs> it's, it's probably a lot more overt in Uncharted. <laughs> fuck you, got mine. Here's some treasure. I take the treasure. You're dead now. Fuck you, got mine. But the theme is still quite present in The Last of Us. Fuck humanity, got mine. Yahtzee, it's even more present in The Last of Us. Like, Joel isn't just stealing some stuff and keeping it. He is damning all of humanity to make sure that he still gets to hang out with his surrogate daughter figure. Like, that, that's a, that is the biggest middle finger to everyone ever he could he could stop the uh the apocalypse mm. <laughs> like it could he could go to the post post apocalypse where they actually start rebuilding but no no he he's he's having a good time with his daughter come back to life trying to remember if you could summarize previous naughty dog plots as fuck you got mine what? crash bandicoot crash bandicoot fuck you dr cortex <laughs> got my bandicoot girlfriend back I, I honestly don't know that much about Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> what other games have they done? Uh, well, uh, just that? Crash Bandicoot on the PS1. <laughs> For a while, they were doing a thing where they just had one franchise per console, but The Last of Us kind of ended that. It was mm-hmm. Crash Bandicoot on the PS1. For the PS2, I think it was Jack and Daxter. Uh, yeah, they had Jack and Daxter series. They had uh, Uncharted, The Last of Us. Yeah, Uncharted on the PS3. And if they could stuck to stick to their guns, the Uncharted would have been the PS3 franchise and Last of Us would have been the PS4 franchise. But they couldn't keep it in their pants long enough to wait for the PS4, <laughs> apparently. I kind of like that they only had one franchise per console. I thought that was uh, an interesting gimmick. Hmm. 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 And uh, I guess... Uh, oh, and Jack and Daxter is coming back, right? Is it? No, they... no, that's Ratchet and Clank. Oh, yeah, I, I was getting confused. Because there's Ratchet and Clank and there's Jack and Daxter. One of them was by Naughty Dog. The other one... Was Insomniac. Yeah, was Insomniac. Yeah. I always get Insomniac confused with Sucker Punch. (laughs) Sucker Punch, I think... I think they made Sly Cooper. And then they made Infamous. All those Sony furry animal franchises meld together in my head. Too many many things, too many names. Never quite picked a mascot, Sony. That was their problem. (laughs) <laughs> that was exactly their problem. They just needed a mask. <laughs> no, the, okay, The Last of Us. Okay. We, we've, yes. we've broken yes. off slightly, but wh- okay, how about this? How about this as a question posed to you? Why is The Last of Us so dang popular? I don't know. I wondered the same thing about the Uncharted series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sort of have an automatic hatred for anything that's a little bit too quippy in its writing i've always hated joss whedon's style of dialogue (laughs) i think he makes it work i just can't i just can't stand the smug quippiness and i can't stand how every character he writes is the same level of smug quippiness and and that's fair i think i think it it has gone terrible when other people try to emulate his style i think he specifically can make it work 
to my mind, great character dialogue is dialogue where you can strip out all the names and tell which character is speaking just from the words they use mm-hmm. and their particular character voice. And I don't think you can do that with any of Joss Whedon's work because everyone's just a quippy, sarcastic asshole. <laughs> and I think that is a fair criticism. So I had a sort of knee-jerk reaction to Nathan Drake right from the word go. <laughs> sure. And the game and the gameplay was always just kind of standard, so I was sort of, sort of down on it right from the start. And mm-hmm. by extension, I was down on The Last of Us for being by the same guys. Sure, and that's fair. And while Joel is not a quippy bastard, uh, Ellie sure is. She's got her. She's got her one-liners. Yeah, there's there's quippiness afoot. There's quippiness afoot. I think uh, I want to say it was it was uh, Sir Mister Sir John Cleese. Uh, who who has a very a very interesting thing to say about people and their taste and uh, there are some people who cannot discern what is good and what is bad and that's the majority of people in the world and I forget I, I forget exactly how he put it. I got to say that sounds like a pretty snobby attitude. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I think a lot of people. I mean, this this is you start, this is sort of the thing you hear from Zack Snyder when his Justice League films completely bomb, right? Here's okay, ready. Here's how I'm go- here's how I'm going to put this. I think people don't have taste because they don't care enough to, and that's not an indictment on their their taste. That is an indictment of they have better things to do in their life than obsess over fictional things. <laughs> so you're saying they don't want to think too hard about complex plotting. Exactly. Yeah, still kind of sounds snobby to me. I, I, I am a snob, and so I'm going to be okay with this. Because... <laughs> okay, you, you own that. I'm going to yeah. distance myself from the remark. No, you can you can. This is this is my personal feelings. I I don't I think the the general audience for video games, for movies, for books don't think about it too hardly be, hardly. <laughs> I speak words. Uh I don't I don't think they think about it critically. I think they they are whisked away and that is fine because they have better shit to do. Uh, with their lives, I personally don't have better shit to do with my lives, so I like to think about uh, uh, these things critically. Well, it's true there always seems to be this disconnect between professional critics like us mm-hmm. and the general audience, because we right. have we, by our very nature, have the different perspective of being exposed to like all the games mm-hmm. or all mm-hmm. the films, whereas the general audience just picks one every now and again to watch, and if it ticks all their boxes they're fine and they might get offended by seeing all these snobby critics talking about how it didn't compare as well to game x and <laughs> right, film y right. right and and like i said this i don't you know think... what solved this issue what's that universal basic income Ooh, i think that's true and then everyone will be able to spend as much time as they like watching all the films and playing all the games mm-hmm. and then we could all have a much more intelligent conversation about these things <laughs> Well, and like I said, I don't think I don't think this is me like being mean to them. I just think they don't think about it, and that's fine. Um, and it's the same with movies. Like you know, the Transformers movies are some of the most you know popular things in the world, and they're uh, universally panned by critics, and that's okay. People like to see robot fall down. Robot fall down. Robot go boom. Big explosion. Big explosion. Uh, military is the best. But that's- Last of Us isn't really wearing that uh facade of empty spectacle it's it's trying to be deep exactly. it's trying to give off the appearance of being deep exactly and and who was it 
who was it who said, uh, of course, someone would think uh, a pool is deep if they've never been in an ocean. Uh, some terribly <laughs> apt fellow by the sound of it. Right. Some someone who is very smart. I, I, I just think they don't, ha- you know, like which to me, again, is why I hate The Last of Us even more, because it's like it's it's this incredibly shallow experience that people hold up as as a very deep representation of video games as an art form. Right. It's crisps. It's saying it's, it's the crisps <laughs> of video games art. And we're saying, hey, we've got uh, Jackie potatoes with bacon bits and sour cream over here. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. now we just like the crisps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good here. Yeah, well, I guess I've failed in my attempt to not sound snobby about this whole conversation. Can I can I pivot just for a little bit here? Um, oh, please do. Let's stop sounding like snobby assholes for five minutes. No, this is this is something that I've been I've been thinking about a lot. I was digging through uh, the achievements over on the PlayStation Four after I beat The Last of Us, and um, less than forty percent of players have finished The Last of Us on any difficulty setting. Well, I'm not sure if that reflects anything about The Last of Us. That's the true of basically every game. Oh, right, right, and and ac- that that actually that's where I want to pivot. You know, starting with The Last of Us. Where In fact, it, that might be a, that might be above average. Actually, the statistic I heard was that twenty percent of players will finish a game. Ex- exactly, and and to me, isn't that a damning indictment of gaming in general? I suppose. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have a storytelling and artistic medium that depends on the skill of the audience to mm. proceed. Yeah, you don't get that with films. You can just sit there. <laughs> Only only twenty percent of viewers finish this film. <laughs> yeah, it'd have to be a pretty bad film for that to be the case, <laughs> right? But it's true. A lot of people just uh, get their ideas of games from the first twenty percent, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and and then they stop playing it and never and never come back to it. And I think you not know, realizing like, that you need to see the ending to fully appreciate a story. That which to to me again like I, I we're sticking with the last of us here which is like it's such a story heavy game and so many people hold up its story yet not even half of the players know what that story is it's the trouble with video game mass marketing they mm. just uh, a lot of the time sony will just say this is a great oscar bait game and everyone will just agree because <laughs> it's easier than forming their own opinion i suppose I guess. I guess. Anyway, yeah, and you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. We can have our opinions on The Last of Us and and I don't want to take away anyone else's enjoyment of The Last of Us, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Different humans have different perspectives. Clearly at least forty percent of players got something out of it. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least. It, it was it was like thirty seven percent. Sounds about right. There we go. Yeah, I guess, guess that's all we've got. Please explain in the comments why you like The Last of Us so much. Yep, that's all I got on The Last of Us. I what a what a slog. Didn't you hate Alien Isolation as well? I really did. Yeah, I liked that game. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you like you like horror games in general, right? I thought it was a rare case of uh, a horror AAA video game actually managing to be subtle. Uh well and and i i don't like horror games in general i've n- i've never found them scary um and i all i all i can see is the ai doing calculations you know you wait for it to leave you move to the next area you wait for it to leave you move to the next area i, I i've always hated them right 
Fair enough. And I, I thought like, you know, the, the ship in Alien Isolation was beautiful. The visuals were beautiful. Um, I, I thought the alien looked terrible. I thought it moved like a like a cardboard cutout. And that didn't help the spooky atmosphere. Well, they were trying to evoke the first movie, weren't they? And the, I, <laughs> there's a reason why they didn't show you much of the alien at any one time in that film. Huh? Huh? You think? But no, no, I yeah, I thought that was a, a terribly dull experience. Um, but that's usually my experience with, with survival horror games. Some people say The Last of Us is a survival horror game. They would be wrong. You think that? I mean, there are zombies and sneaking around zombies lest they eat you. Yeah, but... As I said, it's been a while since I've played it. It's... I, I would I would say that it has, uh, like, a, a, a survival horror seasoning. Okay. <laughs> if you will, like... It's 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 a third person shooter uh uh with survival horror seasoning a hint of survival horror. It's seasoned with a lot of things, isn't it? Good. It's got some action shooter seasoning, it's got some mm. stealth shooter seasoning, it's got some crafting seasoning, it's got standard action movie seasoning, it's got horror movie seasoning. There there's a, a specific clip that I I gave over to uh to Omar for the Escapist show where where i was sneaking around this is near the end of the game when you're like murdering all of the people who want to save humanity yeah that whole segment and and there's three soldiers right in a row and and it's a it's a stealth section and i was able to they they were less than you know two feet apart each and i was able to silently take down each of them with their flashlight flailing around and them gurgling noises and the other two not noticing <laughs> it it's 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 just and and so that's why I say see a hint of a seasoning of survival horror because there's no consequences. If if you mess up a, a, a sneaky section, it's so easy to kill everyone through an action mm. uh, setting. It's a difficult balance still. There's a series of videos on um, whose channel is it? I think it's Game Maker's Toolkit has been doing a series on stealth mechanics, and mm. uh, they make the good point that it's so hard to balance it right for the bit of the stealth game after you get spotted because <laughs> some games it will just turn into an action game yeah and in some games you just might as well reload yeah it's hard to find the right balance i think i agree that batman arkham games do a good job you get spotted you just go oh shit run away to the shadows and everything <laughs> calms down again but in, in a realistic situation they would they would never fully calm down right but but in the batman arkham games you could use that to your advantage where you could raise their fear level Hmm. right like where it's like if you got spotted you could make some more noise and then the 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 uh henchmen would start to get frazzled and just end up like shooting in random corners and, and get really worked up and i thought that was a really good implementation of uh, getting caught in a stealth game see a lot of stealth games because i was writing about this today because i'm writing my review of a stealth game at the moment that hmm. um okay. a lot of stealth games have the problem of the cock-up cascade if you make one mistake, one tiny mistake, where you just get spotted just out of the corner of the last enemy's eye, just in the last moment, then everything goes to shit. Yeah. Everything spirals into more and more mistakes, and the enemies shoot guns at you, and more enemies get alerted, and and eventually you just go, might as well just reload my last save, because this, <laughs> this playthrough is fucked. Yeah, yeah. That's the other issue with stealth. It is. And, you know, I think The, the Last of Us tries to build that tension because you know a ammo is theoretically few and far between even though i never ran out and also they pepper the 
area with two by fours and metal pipes for very easy hand to hand combat. So it's to to me it's it's all all of their stealth sections were were so weak. Well, of course it's going to be weak because there are so many different ingredients in the mix. Mm. It's not really focusing on any one of its game mechanics. Right, right. Standard AAA design, really. A bit of stealth <laughs> here, a bit of action there, a bit of exploration over there. Cast the, the widest net, catch the fewest fish. Yeah. Sure. That's why so many sure. games are sandboxes these days. Because <laughs> then you can have a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, turns out we had a, did have a bit more to say about The Last of Us. <laughs> Well, there you go. I uh, hopefully, hopefully, this uh, more nuanced discussion of The Last of Us was interesting for some people. Re- just you know, remember uh, Yahtzee and I are we're, we're critics. We're here to tell you what we think about the game, not what you think about the game. Yes. So, <laughs> and rest assured, I'll be going to The Last of Us Two, hoping it will be good. Because a lot of people, when you give a bad review, they're like, "Oh, he just uh, wanted to hate on it because he's a hater." <laughs> I just want to emphasize the fact that you know. None of us want to play bad games. Right? None of us want to be gloomy bastards. We want to be electrified by quality products. I genuinely want to enjoy my time when I play a video game. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to start The Last of Us 2 this week Mm -hmm. wanting to enjoy myself. And and you know what? Maybe. Maybe they took some feedback, some critical feedback. Maybe it's... Uh, you know, obviously it's still going to be a AAA game, but maybe they took some feedback. Maybe it'll be better. We don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know until we've played. Yeah. That's why I hate it when people ask me what I think about upcoming game X, Y, and Z, because the answer is always the same. I need to play the bloody thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, hey, thanks everyone for listening to this, the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War. Uh, make sure you uh, go back and watch the episode of Slightly Civil War over on escapistmagazine.com. Remember that you uh, we have a Escapist Plus memberships where you can watch our content on the website ad-free and ask us the creators questions. Uh, we have YouTube subscriptions where you can watch content on YouTube a week early. Uh, we also that, have... Yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, that might be everything. I'm trying to think of anything else to plug... <laughs> Uh, uh, follow followers all on Twitter. Ooh, that's right. I'm at Yahtzee Crozier. I'm at Harlack. H A R L A C K. And uh, that's it from us. Tune in next time for more fun with contentious debates. Boop 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 boop. Boop. Bye. Bye everyone. Bye.